another set of eyes. Now I want to talk to you about a familiar verses to us, the, uh, the parable, the marriage feast. Uh, as Kyle mentioned, it's found in Matthew chapter 22, verses 1 through 14. So if you have your Bible, I'll be reading from the King James Version on this. Matthew chapter 22, verses 1 through 14. And Jesus answered and spake unto them again by parables and said, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king which made a marriage for his son. And he sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding, and they would not come. Again he sent forth other servants, saying, Tell them which are bidden, Behold, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fatlings are killed, and all things are ready, coming to the marriage. But they made light of it, and went their ways, and one to his farm, another to his merchandise. And the remnant took his servants and entreated them spitefully and slew them. But when the king heard thereof, he was wroth, and he sent forth his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. Then saith he to his servants, The wedding is ready, but there which were hidden, were bidden, were not worthy. So go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as ye shall find, bid to the marriage. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all that was many as they found, both bad and good, that in wedding was furnished with gifts. And when the king came in to see the guests, he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment. And he saith unto him, Friend, how comest thou in hither not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then said the king to the servants, Bind him hand and foot, and take him away, and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. I titled this lesson tonight, The Church, the Beautiful Bride of Christ. And that's what the church is, it's the Bride of Christ. And so I want to do a small introduction to it, then we'll look at some of the features of this parable. Uh, look at five different things of it. And then thirdly, we'll look how the bride becomes the wife of this of this church. In this parable, the marriage supper, Jesus teaches us some things about the church as through the scriptures we just read. And so in that, we see, see stuff about the church. The kingdom of heaven is the church of Christ. And we see that from Matthew chapter 16. If you go back a few chapters in Matthew chapter 16, we see the foundation of the church. Starting in verse 13, we see Jesus is talking there. He's, he came into the coast of Caesarea and Philippi, and he asked his disciples, saying, whom do, you, whom do men say that the Son of Man am? And they answered in verse 14, and they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, and others the prophets. And he saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjano, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give, you, give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, 
And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. So we see the foundation of the church. It's, it's based on, on Christ. He's that cornerstone that the church is built on. The church is us, and we're built on that firm foundation that, that he set forth back in these, these verses. We see that the parable also is a supper near the end of the life of Jesus on earth. When you read, continue to read in Matthew, you see this is towards the end of his life. As his life drew a close, he spoke often of the rejection of the Jews and the destruction of Jerusalem. And many times as he preached, there was, there was that rejection, continual rejection. And if we look in the world today, there's so many people that still reject Jesus. It hasn't changed for a lot of people. But he says, the, as we continue to read, the Jewish leaders reacted with resentment. So many people today react with the same resentment. Christ has taught, but still there's resentment in the world. They, they just don't believe in what the word says. In Matthew 24, 45, and when the chief priests and the Pharisees had heard his parable, they perceived that he spoke with them. Well, they were, they felt it was pricked their hearts is what it done. You know, when, when the good word is taught to us, it steps on our toes sometimes. And I think that's what it done to the Pharisees and, 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 and those at that time. Jesus was not afraid though, and did not back away, but openly repeated the teaching. And that's a lesson for us today as Christians. When, when we face opposition, we need to stand firm on the foundation that's in Christ Jesus and not be afraid of it. His courage and his boldness shows his pathetic role. He dared not to be intimidated and meekly surrender to the Pharisees and what they were holding against him. So as we continue to look at this, some of the features that, that are in this parable, we saw in verse three and four, there was a calling. He says, the Old Testament prophets John the Baptist, Jesus, and others, Jesus and John declared the kingdom is at hand and the call for repentance. As we read in those three verses, there was a call for that marriage feast, but those were those that didn't want to be there. They were too busy with farm and shop. Men often put greater emphasis on the perishing things of time than on the imperishable treasures of eternity. And sometimes we catch ourselves I've got to do this or I've got to do this. When we put God second hand, it hasn't changed. We still do the same things that they were doing in biblical times. The messengers were killed. The king sent his armies and destroyed those murderers and burnt their cities. The parable in point of time anticipated the destruction of Jerusalem. That time as we talked about. So many times we had to face difficulties as Christians, as apparently these, that the messengers that went to tell these people to invite. You know, we live in a country that's free to go and talk about Christ, but there's other countries that have to hide when they talk about the gospel of Christ. We, we need to be very fortunate that we have an opportunity to go about teaching, evangelizing the world. But you go to foreign countries like other countries that don't have the privilege that you and I have to be sitting here tonight, freedom to do this. We need to be thankful for that. We also read that there's, so he said, go and invite other people. He wasn't satisfied with just inviting those who turned away from him. The king's invitation we see is extended to all that will come. He said, there's other people out there, so don't, don't waste your time on those that have other things to do. 
And we don't need to be discouraged when we go and knock on somebody's house. I'm not interested in it. I've got, there's a better time. Come back again at another convenient time for me. The gospel is whosoever will, the invitation to heaven. Every creature in all the world is invited. We see in Mark 16, 15, and he said unto them, to do what? Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You see, the gospel is for all, the grace of God, which brings salvation, appears to all, it's for all of us. In Titus 2, 11 and 12, if salvation is by grace only, then all will be saved. It says, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, and it has. We have an opportunity to be at that marriage feast that's an, that's an imitation. It says, teaching that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and in godly in the present world. Anyone, anyone may accept the invitation by obedient to God's commands. Anyone. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter your status in, in this world, rich, poor, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what the color of skin you are, the invitation is open to all mankind. And doing this, just like anything else, there's a preparation that man must do. The church on earth is not the wife of the Lamb, but is the betrothed to Christ, engaged to the Lord. The marriage will take place when Jesus comes again. The church must keep herself unspotted from the world. Do nothing to dirty her good name and the reputation for her groom. We go to Ephesians chapter 5, verses 25 and 27. It gives a comparison to the husband and how he should treat his wife. It says, Husbands, love your wives. And how's that? Even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but it should be holy and without blemish. There is a particular way that we are to have ourselves before God as a church. The church must be glorious and unblemished. No blemishes in doctrine. The apostles were to keep the church free from error. We read in Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 through 9. We read, Paul says, I marvel that you are soon removed from that call that in the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there are some that trouble you and pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. See, there's people, other people out there preaching false doctrine. And we have to be aware of that, and how we're aware of that is through reading and studying God's word that we can be able to put away bad teaching. Once we learn this, we have a responsibility. And that's to pass that, this responsibility onto others. You know, we don't keep it to ourselves. We must share that with other people. In 1 Timothy 1, 3, it says, As I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus when I went to Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine. But 
We go on to First First Timothy four six. If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be of good ministers of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, wherein unto thou hast attained. So they they've heard the word, they attained it, and it's their responsibility, our responsibility, to continue to teach it. Titus two. But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. This can't be any doctrine. It's got to be a sound doctrine. That doctrine is the word of God that we must uh, spread and pass on. And then we just don't stop there. They don't stop there. They, in turn, are to pass it to others. It's like a, it's like a daisy chain. You know, you're saying these slinkies, you started on that first step, and this goes from one to the other. That's the way we are to be with our Christian life. First, Second Timothy 2, verse 2. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. So how are they to be able? That's the, they're able because they've been taught the right doctrine. Jude chapter 1, verse 3. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend, what? For the faith, which was once delivered unto the saints. See, when that word is delivered, when it's preached to us, we need to take that same word and share that with others. We have a responsibility, not only to ourselves, not only to those around us, but to everyone we come in contact with as God's children. But then the gospel must be guarded, defended, and protected, or, or it will be manipulated, perverted, and altered. See, there's people out there, if we don't protect what we've heard, then it can happen very easily. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just response and reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him? responsibilities that we have but they're not impossible because he tells us and he teaches us that I won't give you anything that's impossible for you to do it's not saying you got to do this or do that if we're not able to do it or he wouldn't tell us so the church the saved is the pillar and ground of truth we see in 1st Timothy chapter 3 verse 15 but if I tarry long that thou mayest know how thou ought to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God. And what it is, it's the pillow and the ground of the truth. The church loses her beauty and glory if she forsakes eternal truth. It loses its beauty if it forsakes that truth that's being taught. No blemish in morals. Galatians 5 19 26 familiar verses to us 
Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. So these are things that can happen. They can if we allow it. But there's, there's some good news at the end of this. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, Galatians 5.20, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, sedition, heresy, enmity, murders, drunkenness, reveling, and such like of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in times past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And we'll look around our world and how many people are living that type of life. And you go up and tell them, you believe in God? Most of them say, yeah, there's a God. And you want to know why you live your life like that. But as Christians, we have the hope that, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such things, there is no law. And they that are in Christ have crucified the flesh with the affection and lust. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in that same Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another in being one another. So there's some preparation on our part as a church if we want to be that bridegroom that God is looking for. And so the bridegroom cometh. The sad story, those without a wedding garment shall be cast out. Revelations 19, 7 through 8. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his wife has made himself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white for the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. The holy city cometh down out of Jerusalem. Revelations 21, 9 and 10. And there came unto me one of the seven angels which had the seven veils full of seven last, last plagues and talked with me saying, Come hither, I will show thee the bride, the Lamb's wife. In verse 10, And he carried me away in the spirit to the great high mountain and showed me that great city, the holy city of Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. The only one that's going to get to enjoy that is those that are ready. Those who have been obedient to God, have made the preparation. That's his church. And so the bride becomes the wife. Here glory thereafter shall never fade nor pass away. And in verse 22, verse 7 of Revelations. And behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the words of the property of this book. Blessed is he that keepeth and saith the prophecy of these books, of this book. And so the beauty of the Christ, the beauty of the church is God's, God's church. And he's coming back again. He tells us, I've gone to prepare a place for you. And if I've gone to prepare a place for you, I'm coming back. And we have to be ready. He says, we don't know what time. He just says, be ready. And as a church, we need to be ready at all times. Right now, the next 
few seconds, tomorrow. We don't know. It's just be ready. And I pray that we're all ready. And, and it's our prayer that anyone we can come in contact, to help them get ready. It's our, it's our responsibility as God's children, God's church, to be ready to keep his church a beautiful bride for when he comes back. Thank you for your time. Thank you, Brother Johnny, for that wonderful message. Uh, Matthew.